Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. If you got your Bibles turned to Revelation 17, we're going to be in chapter 17 for a while. And I'm going as slow as I possibly can because this is very deep information that has to be unpacked. So I'm going to go as slow as I can. If I go too fast, email me during the week or something and I'll try to explain things as best I can. We'll take a journey through Babylon today. The title of today's messages and last week's was Creating a Religion in Our Own Image. That's what man did at the Tower of Babel, but Babylon is coming back. Babylon is forming as we see it, and we're going to talk about that formation. Let's review just a little bit. I won't parse everything out. This is the section of Scripture that I went over last week. If you want more information, go to last week's sermon and pull this up. But let's just recap as far as the Scripture that we did study, because that sets the context. So Revelation 17, 1 starts in this. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot. This is what's called Mystery Babylon, okay? Who sits on many waters. We talked about the waters being people. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. We talked about there's an alliance between the government and the one world religion that's forming. That's what he's trying to get at there. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And we talked about the issue that will make people drunk is money. Okay? And so when you unite false religion with the government, and then you pay out people for this uniting, you pay people money, or they get some type of monetary benefit, then it makes people intoxicated, and they'll accept her. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness being in the Babylonian region, where Babylon will be rebuilt. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And what we talked about is that the beast that she's on is the Roman Empire that's predicted by Daniel to be in the last days that, that actually supports her. As she rides on top, she is supported basically by the one world government. What's happening today, and how you put this in perspective, is we are racing towards a one-world government. We are racing towards a one-world religion. Those things have been put in place for at least the last hundred years. And things are forming and getting closer to that. And then what Scripture predicts is that the governments of the world will support her. She will be the unifying glue of the one-world government, which is this one-world religion, a supra-religion that's an overarching umbrella over all the world's religions. And that point, if you want to play ball, so to speak, on politics, economics, whatever, you have to submit to the whore of Babylon, this supra-one-world religion, and we'll, we'll unpack that in just a bit. But that's what she represents. She has existed ever since Babylon came into fruition. Back in Genesis, when Nimrod created Babylon, and he created the mystery Babylon, basically a man-made religion, religion in our own image, so to speak. And we're going to unpack that today. But just to show you that what we're saying is not just me making stuff up, that we're conspiratorial. And, and a lot of times, as Christians now, we're being marginalized, not only by the society or the culture, but we're being marginalized by other Christians who haven't got a clue on prophecy. Their churches either don't teach it or are against it. 
And so when you say, well, the one world religion, the one world government is forming, they're going to call you the tinfoil hat brigade. They're going to call you a conspiracy theorist. And, and that's crazy talk. And it's like, no, you're just explaining your ignorance if you don't know what's happening. These people for the last hundred years are saying it. Let me show you a few quotes before we get into the text and parsing it out. Uh, this is David Rockefeller. He is part of the New World Order. He is part of wanting the one world government. Look what David Rockefeller says. Some even believe the Rockefellers are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists, or we would turn, use the term globalists, conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, hence the one world government. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty, and I'm proud of it. That's out of their, the globalist's mouth. Right? That's not me saying, that's them saying it. Let's go on to the next one. We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and the nations will accept the new world order. There's the term new world order, David Rockefeller. Look at this, Joe Biden. He was labeled one of the most dangerous men. Did you know that in one article? The affirmative task before us is to create a new world order. Even George Bush said new world order, Right? The drive of the Rockefellers and their allies is to create a one-world government combining supercapitalism and communism under the same tent, all under their control. Do I mean a conspiracy? Yes, I do. I am convinced there is a, such a plot, international in scope, generations old in planning, incredibly evil in intent. This is Larry P. McDonald. He was killed in the Korean Airlines back in 1983. This is, he said that in the 80s. Let's go to the next one. We are moving toward a new world order, the world of communism. We shall never turn off that road. Mikhail Gorbachev in 1987 said that. In the next century, nations as we know it will be obsolete. Did you notice that? This is 1992. No borders. All states will recognize a single global authority. National sovereignty wasn't such a great idea after all. Strobe Talbot, Deputy Secretary of State. This is David Spangle. No one will enter the new world order unless he or she will make a pledge to worship Lucifer. No one will enter the new age unless he will take a Luciferian initiation. Let me stop right there. Hold it. People will just outright worship Lucifer? Yeah, maybe. But it will be the whore of Babylon is what they will come under. Now, in order to worship Lucifer, what people will be beguiled to do is to submit to the one world religion or the whore of Babylon. Now, understand the parallel tracks because Satan is a counterfeit. God, in order to get his message out, Old Testament and even in the New Testament, he created two vehicles. One was Israel, and Israel will be used later on in the future. And the second one was the church to get his message out. These would be the vehicles in which God would use to spread the good news. Okay. Satan also has his vehicle. So if you understand that, his vehicle then is the whore of Babylon. So in essence, in order for people to worship Satan... It's to worship or come under the system of the whore of Babylon, the supra-religion, to submit to her and her morality and her ethics. And I'll show you that in just a bit. But David Spangler's right on target. He was one of the founding fathers of the New Age movement. Today in America would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow they will be grateful. This is especially true if they were told that there were an outside threat from beyond, whether real or promulgated. 
that threatened our very existence. It is then that all peoples of the world will plead to deliver them from this evil. The one thing every man fears is the unknown. When presented with this scenario, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being granted to them by the world government. Henry Kissinger was part, and obviously he's part of that. He said that in 1991. I just show you that just to say, look, it's not me saying it. They say it. It's what they want. Hence, it should make perfect sense why the majority of Americans don't understand borders. They don't understand. The globalists are saying that's racist. But notice what their plan is. Erase American sovereignty. So when I go after that, it's not me being political. I'm counteracting that with the Bible. And you'll see that in the text today when we studied Babylon. God is for language, culture, and borders. He is not for internationalism. He is not for globalism. Because mankind tried it one time, and he confused the languages for it. But this last time, he's going to allow it. Because you want it so bad, I'm going to give it to you. And we're going to see that unfold. But let me do some background to understand this one world religion, this one world government coming to fruition and coming together. When did this start? What's going on? When did the momentum start for the whore really catching a grip in America? We live here. That's what it's important to us. When did it start? Okay, I'm going to do a parallel here. Israel was reborn in 1948. That same year, the World Council of Churches formed an alliance that same year to move into what's called an ecumenical movement around the world. This included 147 denominations. The World Council of Churches exists now. You can go to their website. This is a picture of their website. It is a robust, well-funded opposition to you and I as Bible-believing Christians. They call themselves Christians, but they make up all kinds of false Christianity. But this includes mainstream denominations, and a lot of denominations are falling in line with her. Now, to let you understand what this entity believes, I'm going to show you just in a bullet point form of all the things, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that and marry it to today's politics. Okay? Rejects the authority of the Bible. Embraces the unity of all mankind. Rejects the Trinity. Embraces baptismal regeneration for salvation. Belief in universalism. All are saved. Embraces pacifism. Stop there. I want to explain this real quick. It's not just a simple, I don't want to fight, and they think that Jesus was a pacifist, and they try to maintain, you're a pacifist. Let me show you how it's done. It's a very communistic technique, and the World Council of the Churches are doing this. What is being pushed on America, and it has been pushed on Europe, is collective guilt. What for? Well, here's the deal. Here's the paradigm. Communists, the globalists understand that America is too powerful to fight in a conventional warfare. will throttle people. And they know that. So what they're trying to do is get you to not fight. Get you to be a pacifist and not really want to do anything to anybody, any evil out there in the world. And the way they do it is to make you feel guilty for being an American. 
And what the college and universities and the school systems do is paint American history in the worst light possible. That we're nothing but racists. We're nothing but xenophobes. We're nothing but homophobics, patriarchy, all this other stuff they're throwing at us to make us feel guilty, to make you and I say, yeah, I guess we shouldn't survive. I guess we should just go down in history as a failed experiment. They'll demonize capitalism as just a bunch of greed. You Americans ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're greedy, homophobic, white racists. Now, they did this to Europe. And you know what the Europeans did? They laid down and died for collective guilt. And they didn't do anything against any evil. And guess who owns their countries now? Islam. They laid down and just took it. And the same thing that happens to Europe is happening to us. This pacifism of, I feel guilty for being an American because we're imperialists or whatever, and painting our history all negatively, as they do in colleges and universities and the school systems, creates a collective guilt which causes people to give up on the ideologue of America, American exceptionalism, Give up that America was the best country ever to live in. That's why everyone wants to come here. To make you think that America's bad. So that then, you know what? It's not worth fighting for. Just hand it over to the barbarians. And they'll say, the barbarians, the noble barbarians, they should take over. See, Tacitus wrote this about Rome. You know what happened with the elite of Rome before Rome collapsed? They started idealizing the savage and the barbarian. Oh, how noble the barbarian is. And you know what happened? The barbarian was the Germanic tribes. The Germanic tribes took over. Because they nobilized and said, oh, how wonderful they are, and this and that. And by the way, we're doing the same thing in academia through multiculturalism. We are saying that the barbarians are more pure than us, morally, whatever. You know who the barbarians are? Islam would be on the list. Really? They're the noble barbarians? Yeah. You notice the left never gets against them for women's rights? You notice the left, especially the LGBT community, never gets onto Islam because they throw homosexuals off roofs? I find that interesting, isn't it? Islam has become the noble barbarian. Just as Tacitus wrote about the Germanic hordes, and it was the Germanic hordes that turned Rome upside down because Rome crumbled within itself and didn't have the will to fight anymore because of collective guilt. Do not let the whore of Babylon make you feel guilty for being an American. In history, there has never been a country that has touched us. Militarily, power, giving away monetary benefits and rewards to other countries, missionary sending, evangelism, nothing has ever shined as America. But the message out there is we're bad, we're evil, it needs to come down. And by the way, sometimes they let it slip, don't they? When Michelle Obama says, I have never been proud of my country. Or when Obama himself says, we're going to fundamentally change America. Or when Hillary Clinton says, these deplorables... Or when Cuomo up there in New York says America was not all that great. They sometimes let it slip. And they believe it. Because you know why? It started 
not only with communism, but the World Council of Churches making people pacifists, not willing to defend not only what they stand for or what America stands for. And I know, well, that sounds real political. No, no, no. If the goal is to get to a one-world government, they have to get you unhinged to patriotism and make you a global citizen. What do they tell the kids in the school? Oh, you're a global citizen, not just an American. You're a global citizen. That's the horror of Babylon. A couple things more. Condemns capitalism in Western society, calls it imperialistic. Supportive of communism. They never support capitalism. They actually hate it. This is a World Council of Churches, by the way. Radical anti-Semitism. Radical. Wait, 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 wait. You're not talking about an organization. You're talking about, uh, you know, a secular one. You're talking about the World Council of Churches, which is radically anti-Semitic? Yeah. In fact, do you know what they do? They go along with Palestinians who are ready to blow themselves up or agitate Israeli soldiers And they accompany them. These are people, representatives from the World Council of Churches. As these Palestinians are agitating, for instance, this is what they'll do. They throw rocks off bridges onto Israeli highways. So imagine you driving through 99 and a bunch of Palestinian kids are throwing rocks as you're driving. It causes chaos, causes accidents, people get killed. So the minute the Israeli soldiers go over there to arrest them, the World Council of Churches representatives turns on the video and starts videotaping the Israeli soldiers arresting these people for doing whatever they're doing, agitating. And then we'll put it on the internet or news group and say, you see how bad the Jews are to the Palestinians? They arrest them for nothing. And then they'll even create blood libels. This last July, a modern-day blood libel came out from the World Council of Churches. One of their female bishops, this is a violation of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. They don't care about that. But anyway, nonetheless, came out with a, a modern blood libel. Said that Israeli soldiers shot a 15-year-old Palestinian boy in the back 10 times. That's what she said. She just said that, blood libel. So organizations like Wiesenthal Organization and Camera.org went after her and said, where did you get this information? We've investigated all this, and we can't find a shred of evidence of this happening. And she says, oh, I just heard it. Oh, so you get in front of your national convention and say the Jews are doing this. You're lying? Yeah. Because these people are anti-Semitic. Huh. So I'm building up to something, okay? I'm building up to the scriptures. So keep following me. I'll I'll lose you like a wet bar of soap in a shower. So just stay with me. I have to show you this. This is no joke. This is happening. You can see it in the culture, the way people are getting brainwashed. That's the mindset, okay? That all faiths are welcome and everyone has a path to God is the mindset. Go back to the bullet points. Desires to create a new society where there's radical economic, social, and political restructuring that goes beyond just transferring of resources and technologies. Oh. They substitute dialogue for evangelism. Oh, they don't evangelize? No, no, they dialogue. Like James White and Rick Warren want to dialogue with Muslims. Do you know that James White, five-point raging Calvinist, had a dialogue with one of the most notorious Muslims in America. I think his name is Yasser Qadi. 
He is as dangerous as they come. And we're going to sit down with Yasser Qadi and see what we got together. That's a violation of Scripture. You're not to be unequally yoked. You're not to dialogue with these people. Money is given to radical groups for social justice. We're going to right all the wrongs in life. Yeah. Huh. Close ties to the UN and the Catholic Church. Complete and unilateral disarmament of people. That's why they want your guns. When someone gets killed by a gun, what does the globalist want to do? What does it say? Go, oh, we've got to get rid of these guns. We've got to get rid of guns. Guns don't kill anybody. Because when they take the guns away in Europe, you know what they're doing? They're using cars. When the Muslims use cars, what are you going to do? Take away, oh, we can't, we've got to ban cars. Maybe we should ban uh, forks and knives because a fork and knife that you eat with a utensil should be banned, right? Because you could kill somebody with that. That's how ludicrous they are. They won't name the enemy. The civilized barbarian or the glorified barbarian that they're praising is Islam. They're using Islam to destroy this country and destroy Europe, which have effectively done. But they don't want you having a gun to defend yourself. You can see why they're going against the Second Amendment. Thank God for the Second Amendment. Now I got to bring you to this lady. Again, I'm prepping the waters until we jump into the Scripture. So hold on with me. You must know who this is. She is at the background of the UN. She is behind your curriculum if you're a teacher. She was involved in the UN for many, many years. Her name is Alice Bailey. Know the name. She has been one of the most notorious behind-the-scenes women to ever affect the last hundred and something years. Give me a little background on Bailey before I bring it to the teaching. If you're a teacher, if you're at the college and university, she's behind you. When she was young, she had basically two demonic encounters, full-fledged manifestations. So she must have been involved in the occult. The first encounter was, I think, at age 15. She welcomed the encounter. Hey, this is an ascended master. It's one of my buddies. But it was a demon, a very high-ranking demon, apparently. Then at age 19, another high-ranking demon came to her, and she welcomed that. For about three weeks, she, she didn't know, but the demon proposed to her, I want to use you to write books, and if you come to this agreement, I'll use you for something we're getting ready to bring on to humanity. This was all given into her as a, a good thing, by the way. So somehow Alice Bailey was involved in the occult, and so... This demon started channeling her in 1919. The demon's name is the Tibetan. She called him another name in India, uh, Indian name, but really it, the demon's known as the Tibetan. Between 1919 and 1949, she wrote 24 books, 19 of which were auto-dictated by the Tibetan. The Tibetan, from what we understand, was a very high-ranking demon. She talked about the hierarchy of the ascended masters. Well, the hierarchy we know from the Apostle Paul includes Satan at the top, principalities, powers, rulers, and armies, or hosts. That's the order. There is a hierarchy in the demonic realm. She said he was part of the hierarchy, in fact, part of the seven at the top. Anyway, in her books, the Tibetan gave her the foundational information for what the hierarchy, demonic powers, called 
the plan. The plan. And so when you read Alice Bailey's book, she has the plan there. What is the plan involved? Just to shorten it real quick. What she was getting from the high-ranking demon was that our plan, the plan of the masters, is to lay a foundation for a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economy. Okay? You following me? And that there were certain personalities that were going to come up in history that were going to carry out the planet and keep carrying it out. And the quote was, the will to power and the will to change. Those were the two words, will to power, will to change. And interesting enough, they came upon people like Lenin, like Stalin, like Hitler, like Mussolini, who they said were their agents. Now, I'm not surprised by that, right? Of course they used them as agents. Anyway, this led her to found what's called the Lucifer Publishing Company. Okay, the name changed, and you can go to the website today. Instead of Lucifer, they used Lucis, L-U-C-I-S. Lucis Foundation. You can go online and you can read for it. The Lucis Trust started in 1922. It was a fiduciary trust to fund and administer activities for human rights. Okay? It then, you had the League of Nations, and then you had the UN that developed. She then attached the Lucis Trust to the UN and located herself in the United Nations Plaza as a consultative status to the UN. In this consultative status to the UN, she hooked up with a guy by the name of Robert Mueller. Keep following me. What these guys did is they included all the rich and powerful in America to get them on their side, kind of a globalist movement. And the bent of the efforts of human rights was to crush Christianity in America. That's what the demons wanted. And around the world to usher in globalism. Now, notice this. Shouldn't come to any shock. The demon told her that the goals of the plan, the goals of the hierarchy, the goals of the ascended masters who had the ages of ageless wisdom said, we're going to bring this plan into fruition by these vehicles. Number one, socialism. Number two, communism. Number three, collectivism. Number four, group thinking. You notice in schools, they always want to put kids in groups. Always. At companies, they always put you in a group. Hey, we need to formulate a plan and get a consensus. Do you know what causes them to do that? It comes back to this. See, because when you put them in a group think, in a group think, any dissenting mindset is squashed because we have to have group consensus. We have to have everyone get along. So any dissenting mindset is squashed in group thinking. It wasn't some teacher that came up with group work. It was demonic. This idea of no individualism, no dissent, pluralism, 
universalism, all roads lead to God, pluralism is all religions are equal. I think I mentioned collectivism, but if you don't know what collectivism is, it's this. The group is the priority, not the individual. The group is the priority, not the individual. Hence, universal health care. Thank you very much. Oh, so if grandma's 75 and she needs a liver transplant or a lung transplant, she ain't getting it. Because what's important is the group, not the individual. So grandma, we're just going to make her comfortable. That's universal health care, but that comes from that mindset. The group is important. If people get hurt in the way, who cares? Oh. Now let me bridge it. The demons told her, the way we're going to do this is go and infiltrate the educational system of America. And it will be the key to bring in the new world order, they said to her, through politically correct thinking. See, political correctness is not what you think. It's changing terms that mean something and making them bad. It's language, it's language tampering. We call things adultery, they say. It's a fling, right? Or we call murdering a baby in the womb, they call it a woman's choice. That's political correct. That's, that's changing the term into a positive. It's flipping it over. They said this is how we're going to do it. Ask yourself, is it working? The plan is working. It's working. And that the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and the cross are seen as foolishness to the demons. We need to move to a more enlightened new age, they said. Where there's tolerance and pluralism. And, and by the way, they, they noted this. They told her there's a new age Christ who's coming. Guess who that is? They've been waiting him for him for so long, but he's coming. Yeah, the biblical term is Antichrist. That's part of the plan. Now, let me bridge it to Robert Mueller at the... This is not the Mueller investigation that's going on right now. I hope you understand. This is back 1948, right? Back, we're going back to the long time ago, okay? If he is, maybe he is that old. I don't know. Robert Mueller was at the UN for nearly 40 years, okay? You have to understand this. She was hooked up with Robert Mueller with this loosest trust. Again, money buys you things, okay? They were together, and Bailey starts influencing Mueller. And the influence was so powerful on Mueller that a lot of what you see today at the UN is reflective of Alice Bailey. All that their standards are to hate Israel and, and support, you know, terrorist states and stuff like that. And just the wackadoo stuff that the, the UN wants. No parental rights. Agenda 21. You got it. You, you, uh, yeah, and, and one more thing. Robert Mueller and her, what came out of that union was a global educational program. Now follow me real close. Because this is where it's going to hit home and it's going to make you very uncomfortable. How are they going to do it? They're going to do it through the educational system, right? They're going to do it through the educational system. And we're going to develop a global educational program known as the World Core Curriculum, which America and other countries have now incorporated into the educational systems. 
They first established a school in Arlington, Texas, based on the teachings of Alice Bailey, that is now using the world core curriculum. Where do you think the term core curriculum comes from? Oh, what are you saying, Brandon? Before we get in even into the text, you must know this background information, that this is not a conspiracy. This has been going for hundreds of years. It's demonically inspired, and it's going right through the heart of the educational system called Common Core. If you're a teacher, you need to be aware of that embedded in Common Core is Alice Bailey and her demonic ramblings of not teaching the kids basic math and education, but to socialize and brainwash them into being a global citizen. Look, if you think I'm crazy, do the research on Alice Bailey and Robert Mueller and the UN. You will see exactly what I'm seeing. I'm not making this up. You can read it for yourself. Notice what she says in this quote. He has been for 2,000 years the supreme head of the church, invisible, the spiritual hierarchy, the demonic, talking about this ascended master that's going to come and, and be the new age Christian, or the new age Christ, composed of disciples of all, of all faiths. He recognizes and loves those who are not Christian, but who retain their allegiance to their founders, the Buddha, the Muhammad, and others. He cares not what their faith is, if the objective is to love God and humanity. If men look for the Christ who left his disciples century ago, they will fail to recognize the Christ who is in the process of returning. The Christ has no religious barriers in his consciousness. It matters not to him of what faith a man may call himself. Speaking of the Antichrist, channeling the Tibetan. So they're claiming that Jesus said, you and I serve, abandoned us, and left us here. But this new Christ that's coming will not abandon us. He doesn't care what faith you are. He's going to be your guy. That's what the demons told her, to work the plan. Again, ask yourself, this happened in 1919. Her work influenced Hitler, influenced Hitler read her books, by the way, influenced the UN, and now look at the politicians today. Is it working out. Yes, you have to acknowledge. You're blind if you can't see it. That these people are wanting a one world government, one world tolerance religion, all this other stuff. It's coming. That's the background I want you to know. Now we jump into the scripture. Verse four. The woman, the whore of Babylon, was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden, a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Show a picture of her. Notice the colors. The woman is what color? Purple. Do you know what purple symbolizes? It's the color of rulers. She is ruling. And she will for the first three and a half years of the tribulation. She's starting to rule now, by the way. They've got Facebook. They've got Google. She's got them all. She's got politicians in their back pocket. She's got the UN. They're all there. They're submitting to the system that Satan is running. She's ruling. Notice she has a scarlet color on as well. The scarlet has to do with blood. Because the way she makes her way in life is killing people. And eventually in the tribulation, if you don't comply with her, she kills you. It's flat out. Just murders you. And we're seeing society get that way, isn't that, uh, that way? And more belligerent, more hostile, willing to fight you for disagreeing with them. And I mentioned this last week. 
You go into a college campus and you try to give a view that I'm giving. Try, just try that. Try, try doing what Ben Shapiro does or any of these other speakers and try to go to a college camp. They will riot you out of there and nearly kill you. That's the belligerency. That's the hostility that eventually comes into her system. And notice she's adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. The idea is that she's rich. She's wealthy. The real church doesn't have a lot of money. The fake church does. Not to step on any toes. But you know how it is. The whore makes up a conglomerate of all kinds of fake religions out there. All kinds of fake Christianity. And by the way... The faker you are, the wealthier you are. The first victim that got infiltrated that happened in church history was the Catholic Church. Do you understand the Catholic Church is worth $200 billion? They are equivalent to Walmart Corporation. The Mormons... $120 $120 billion worth, equivalent to ConocoPhillips. Scientology, the religion of Tom Cruise and John Travolta, $1 billion in worth. Then Christendom in America, Protestant, mainline denominations that have went crazy, right? Let's move into that because that, we understand the Catholics and Mormons, Scientology, that's cults. But let's move into apostates. The difference between a cult and apostate, okay? Benny Hinn, the net worth alone by himself, he's worth $60 million. Stephen Furtick at Elevation, that dude's worth $50 million. Joel Osteen, $40 million. Creflo Dollar, $27 million. He makes a lot of dollars. Goes with his name. Rick Warren, worth $25 million. T.D. Jakes, $18 million. Joyce Myers, $8 million. Bill Johnson, up there in that crazy Bethel Redding, $2.5 million in worth. Look, there's a lot of money in religion, especially the fake ones. And I can tell you this from a pastoral standpoint. The more truth-oriented you are, the less money you have. I just can tell you that. I can even see this on a local level. The more wackadoo you are here, the more money you'll have. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. The more wackadoo your church is, the more crazy things you say from the pulpit, the more money you have. It's almost like the whore is feeding you. Yeah, keep saying crazy stuff. I'll give you more money. More money. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. Let's go back to the text real quick. Having her hand a golden cup of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Abominations is idols. And filthiness of fornication is moral uncleanness. So she has a different morality and she creates idols. Not just wood and stone idols, but all kinds of different idols. And these are loathsome to God. And notice this, what it says on her forehead. Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. And of the abominations of the earth. So what it's saying is, she's the mother of harlots. She's, this is where all the false religions came from. And the abominations has to do with the idolatries. This is where it all came from, her. She's the source. And here's the idea. What, what was not a mystery? What did we already know? Well, first of all, we know Babylon's beginnings. 
We knew Babylon's beginning. We can read this in Genesis 10. It's in the table of nations. Look at here in Genesis 10, and you'll see the beginnings of Babylon or where this false religion came from. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Ramah, Sabatekah. And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. I'll explain this in just a bit. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was what? Babel, Erech, Achad, and Kalneh in the land of Shinar. Shinar is Babylonian, the fertile crescent. From that land, he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, and the resin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the principal city. Where it began was right there in Iraq, where we have about 60, miles north, uh, 60 or 50 miles south of Baghdad is where the original Babylon was at, that this dude built, Nimrod. Okay. You have to understand a little bit about Nimrod, and I will continue this next week, but let me show you just a brief little bit about him because you'll understand Babylon. Nimrod is the founder of Babylon. His name means rebel or let us rebel. You can see some pictures in this, from archaeological sites. He is sometimes known as Sargon the Great, Marduk the god of Babylon, Ninurta of Babylon, the god of the hunt, the arrow or the mighty god hero, or he's known as Gilgamesh. In Greek myths, he's known as Orion. Okay? Stop right there. The scripture claims he's a hunter. Okay? He has, in, in a lot of these archaeological finds, whether it's Gil, they call it Gilgamesh or whatever, I think we have one more picture where he's holding an animal. There's a lot of depictions of him holding lions. Okay? But I want you to notice the size of the lion and the size of him. It's out of proportion, isn't it? Or you might think it's out of proportion. It's not out of proportion. Every time we see a picture of Nimrod, who founded Babylon, he's much larger than the people around him. He's much larger. He went out and captured animals. That, by the way, the rabbis believe, and I have to have good precedent, that it went from capturing savage animals to capturing men, by the way. He moved and just transgressed into capturing men, but he would go and capture these animals. He's much larger than them. Even in the ancient world, they would not depict an individual going after a lion with a lion looking like it's a cat. Oh, we'll get to that. Hold on. The second thing is that the Scripture says he began. He began to do this. The word is halal in Hebrew, which means to profane or desecrate or pollute. And notice he's called a mighty one. Now he's a mighty one. The Hebrew is giborim. There's their clue. Gibberim, or mighty ones, is used in Genesis 6 for the Nephilim. It is also used for Goliath in 1 Samuel 17.51. Your translation will say champion, but it's Gibberim. Wait a second. Wait a second. What are you saying? The Scripture is linking him to the Gibberim who are linked to Genesis 6 and who are linked to Goliath. He is a giant. He is a Nephilim. 
is what the scripture is trying to say. He's half human and half demonic. Just like in Genesis 6, and you have the outbreak of the sons of God, which are fallen angels, coming upon the daughters of men and creating Nephilim. And then Goliath is a Nephilim. And you remember the size of Goliath. He is a giant. He's a Nephilim. Hence, the term gibberine is used to Nimrod. Hence, the founder of Babylon is a Nephilim. The founder of Babylon is a type of Antichrist. He's a picture of this. And he started the first rebellion against God, which we'll go into next week. Brandon, maybe you need to stop right there because you're scaring me, man. Hey, look, I'm just going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you how the history is. I'm going to tell you what's going on. It gets worse. It gets more demonic, more evil, more sinister as we go through it. But here's the application before we get out of here. Because we're going to go deeper down the rabbit hole. We have to. I want you to know this. And I'm going to go as slow as I possibly can. Why are you taking me here, Brandon? Why are you going so deep into the history and the, the mindset through these scriptures? Because I want you to know where things come from. I want you to know that so when you see it, you can spot it. When people are all charged up about the border, when people are all charged up about making you feel guilty for being an American, making you feel guilty for American exceptionalism, when you see that, do not buckle into that guilt. That guilt doesn't come from God. That guilt is coming from Satan. And Satan does a well enough job, even in our own personal baggage, of putting false guilt on us. Think about this in your own personal life. You've known you've been forgiven of something. God is saying, it's all done. We need to move on. And what do you and I do? We keep sitting there in our own guilt, not getting past it. And we're like, okay, I know God has forgiven me. How come I can't forgive myself? Because you're, it's an unnatural guilt. Uh, guilt. The Holy Spirit convicts. He shows that, hey, man, there's something that you need to fix. And then you fix it. You ask for forgiveness and you repent and you move on. God doesn't keep bringing back the past. Only one individual keeps bringing back the past. And it's Satan. So if you know this on a personal level and you struggle with guilt, it's man-made, not God. But understand, out there in our society, out there in our culture, they are trying to put on you a collective guilt that you Americans are nothing but imperialists. You Americans are nothing but slave owners. You Americans are xenophobic. That's why you don't want any people coming into our country and stuff. You're just a bunch of racists. You ought to feel guilty. You ought to feel ashamed about that. And you know what they're trying to get you to do? Prevent you from fighting back. It has happened in Europe, and it's happening here. Please do not succumb to this satanic guilt. Otherwise, you will lose your fight. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times 
and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.